Hello, it's Denise from Women Beyond a Certain Age. I'm not even, ex I, I'm over the moon excited today. I'm more like hysterical. And you know, that's so unusual for me. Now, focusing is always a problem. Today is probably worse, again, because of my entire excitement about our guest. Now, our guest is a high school girlfriend, okay? And a remarkable high school girlfriend, but actually Pamela, I, her name is Pamela Nelson hyphen Munson. <laughs> and Pamela, I think we actually met in like eighth grade. I think I remember you at Jean Edwards pool parties. And later on, you would tell me that I had been making out with Conrad M. House. And you were amazed to find out that I was really a very lovely young woman, even <laughs> though my behavior <clears throat> spoke to another part of me. So anyway, our guest today is Pamela Nelson hyphen Munson. Hello, Pamela. Hello, Denise or Didi. Uh, yes, boy, that goes back. See, that's when you're an old friend. That, and people every once in a while, I've been married to Kenny for years and somebody came from seventh and eighth grade and probably Nancy or Carol and they called me Didi and he said, who's Didi? I said, it's a long story. Okay. <laughs> kind of my alter ego that I, but so, but when people call me that, it's so loving, Pam. Do you know what I mean? There's so much yes. love involved in it because we yes. go back such a long way. All yes. right. So not to keep people in suspense any longer. I know people are just hanging on our words. <laughs> Pam and I were able to reconnect because of high school reunions and Facebook, like so many people in our society day. Now, we hadn't talked in a really long time. And what I didn't know about Pam, I knew she was a reveler, a reverend, a pastor that she'd gone to school, that she was a pastor. She ran churches, for God's sake. She did sermons. But what I didn't know was that she had found cooking and loved cooking. So a whole lot has transpired, and we're going to start at the beginning, but the intersect, what I originally said to Pam, this is why I love you, I had sent Pam an email and I said, I think one of the biggest problems I would see, problems, and I mean problems, meaning the angst of women our ages, they have no way to forgive themselves, okay? There's no forgiveness. So I said to her as a pastor many of 40 years, I can come on my podcast and talk about forgiveness. And she texted back and said, not my strong suit. Basically <laughs> what you said. But then coming up with her own idea, which was so much better, she said, you know what, Denise, I'd like to talk about the intersection of my cooking. Okay. And my ministry, and since Pam, so many, I would think half the people that listen to us used to cook professionally. Okay, that's just, because that's who my network was. That's who my network is. That's who I, that's who bought my book. That's who I bought their book. So it, when you said it, I knew it would be perfect. But here's what, so we'll get there. And this is probably going to be a two-part podcast, so people know, so you'll listen. Cindy will first broadcast part one, and then we will broadcast part two. And, but I have to tell you something, Pam, this is the best thing in the whole world. And I'm going to make this an exercise for anyone that <laughs> wants to be included in Women Beyond a Certain Age. Okay. 
Pamela sent me, I said, so I'm going to ask her some questions. Pamela sent me a six-page timeline. Okay. <laughs> it's fantastic. I read three times like a novel. <laughs> and it came, and so we're going to start with your timeline a little bit, darling, and then you're going to talk. I'm just talking a lot at the moment because I have to lay some groundwork as right. to how long we've been friends. Do you know what I mean? And how, and, and... I think again, that's so valuable as we age. Mm. It's just, because do we change that much? I don't know, do we? Well, we, we not only did we share a time period, we shared a space period. Yes. And that's so important. I mean, we we go, you say Benny Bufano statue, we're there. We know yeah. exactly what that is, so yeah. <laughs> we say Jean Edwards pool, we yes. are there. <laughs> that's right. And I have to say, the reason I sent you that was that, like most of your, I mean, unlike most of your guests, I don't have a book that you can read. So I just, I, I wanted to contextualize a little bit. I love it. And I'll tell you what else that I'm really going to make that I said to Cindy, she and I will talk about it. There's several questions and we'll get there that you, I mean, like subtopics that you put there. And I thought to myself, every woman should ask herself these questions. Okay. And if they wrote them down. Yeah. Sometimes you find out things about yourself, but we know that as writing. Now, here's what I need to share with people. You were born in San Francisco. So was I. Okay. <laughs> in, in 1951. Yes. And, that, and they've been working on the San Francisco airport ever since. As we know. <laughs> now, your parents brought you home to Kentfield. Yes. My father had a grocery store in Kenfield in that little tiny shopping center, the Jolly Market that was next door to Tweeds and Weeds and Zims. What are wow. the odds of that? Wow. I know. Your mother probably shopped there. Honestly. Yes. yes. Well, um, and my father, my father was a butcher too. He started out as a butcher, so he probably went there. My father was a butcher and he bought his And your father was in the Army Air Corps and yes. so was mine. Yes. This is crazy. I mean, really, the more I read it, I thought, oh my God, we could have been <laughs> twins separated at first. That's right. Of course, we also, which is very much our generation, we come from real immigrant stock. Yeah. I mean, real immigrants, which changes. I think it's the biggest cultural change I see. Do you know what I mean, Pam? So when I see young people and young people don't know that, so why shouldn't, you know, so they don't have to know it. Yeah. But I loved it. I mean, you talk about your grandmother who smoked and drank a Manhattan every day. My grandfather was drinking bourbon in his coffee for breakfast, a Manhattan before dinner and red wine after dinner. And he yeah. had to be 89 years old. Well, and my Swedish grandfather, his breakfast was um, sherry with a raw egg in it. So there you go. <laughs> and your father lived to be a hundred. Almost 102. I know. Extraordinary. I mean, this is just, it's so different. The world has changed so much. Yeah. I like the world I'm seeing now. I don't love, the problem we have with <clears throat> guns, but I look out and I think to myself, things have gotten better. It's just, it's yeah. all shown us in a different way. Do you know what I mean? It's a, oh, it's presented in a different way. Yeah. All right, now totally. you come from three girls. Yes, you do too. I do too. Now, <laughs> and, and then this is one of my favorite things 
that Christmas meant. And again, this is all this stuff. I'm saying this stuff because it, it's the it's the yarn that we're knit out of, as I think of. Christmas meant City of Paris, Macy's front windows, the Emporium rooftop rink with Santa, and Blums for a treat. Now, I, <laughs> Pamela, I'm in Union Square a couple of times a year because my mother bought a timeshare there 40 years ago when it was built. So that I, I got the timeshare. Of course, I had to buy it for my sisters because we wouldn't give each other a nickel. We are very generous, but not when it comes to the money. So I bought it from my mother's estate. And so I have seven days a year that I can, you know, stay in Union Square. And Pam, I still miss the city of Paris and I oh, yes. still miss Blums. Oh, yes. How yeah. can that be 50, 60 years later? I still remember yeah, the pink. It's just, yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. And it was one of the happiest times in my life as a child. And you did this again culturally. You said in all your doctor's appointment, we went to the 450 Sutter building, which was the dent where our dentist was. Yes. Still in San Francisco, one of the most beautiful art deco buildings ever. Wow. Yes. yes. And so after we would get our dental appointments, then my mother would let us go to Blum's and eat caramel <laughs> cake or one of those desserts that just stuck in between your molars. But that was, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh. Yes. I know. <laughs> so that's, I, I can't just stress enough how similar um, our backgrounds are. And then I have to say one more thing. And then we're going to talk about you going to Peru and traveling as a child. Okay. That's okay. kind of that comes out a lot in your food. My Pamela wrote, and I'm not saying this in any way to disparage her older sister, but her older sister became a hippie at UC Berkeley and ended up in a commune in the hate. Yes. Married to a Messiah. My sister went to UC Berkeley, <laughs> dropped out and oh. married a motorcycle oh. monster. Okay. okay who later went on to, to not greater heights at all, but who in fact was quite a mess. Okay, I don't know how to say it, but he, he had his penis removed. And, oh no. Yes, and became a woman. Oh no. That did not fit into my mother's story of the three beautiful girls, okay? So when your father was afraid for you to go to college, right. I understand his fear. <laughs> There was a, there some bad juju had gone on. Oh God! And I know this, Pam. And I had to. Didn't, didn't you learn from that with your sister? What did you learn from your sister marrying someone not acceptable to your parents? Oh well, that I had to. I had to be the the good one. I had to be the savior. I had to, you know, I had to to do what my father dreamed because he, son of an immigrant, he says, you always expect your children to do better than you did. And so he did better than his father. And so then my sister is, you know, goes this other path. So it was like, okay, I've got this responsibility on my shoulders. I'm going to college. I don't know why I'm going to college or what I'm going to do, but by God, I'm going to go. Well said, I knew this. I wasn't going to marry anyone that my parents didn't like. Right, right. You know, and of course, I just wasn't going to marry anyone that 
we couldn't have a wedding at the Elks Club if you oh, yes. <laughs> so uh, yes, and our parents' dreams, doing what our parents, I, I don't know if young people do that as much anymore, but I certainly I mean, know. <laughs> yeah, okay, well good, you raised independent thinkers. Very. <laughs> my two nieces, I, when I say that, my two nieces definitely have found their own paths. And I'm glad yeah. my sister's yeah. children have definitely, and they're yeah. really productive, beautiful, happy, you know, women. So I, yes. that's, what, that's what we're looking at. All right. So we're going to start with this. Okay. How did you go to Ecuador in seventh grade? Oh my gosh. Well, um, I, I was... It was a brief, we, eight months we lived in Mill Valley and I hated it. I hated school. I hated everything about it. We walk home with a group of friends and all of a sudden this other girl shows up. She's from Ecuador and she's there for three months to go to school. And on the last day walking home, she says, well, my father says that I can invite someone to Ecuador for your summer. And I, I you know, this group of eight people, I rose my, raised my hand. I said, that would be me. <laughs> <laughs> my father did PR for SFO helicopters, so we had reciprocal arrangements. So it wasn't, you know, a big, I knew I could fly there. That wasn't a big problem. My age, you know, I would just yeah. turn 13, but it was like, okay, I've gone to Girl Scout camp. I can do Ecuador. <laughs> and did you speak Spanish? I just, uh, you know, seventh grade Spanish. That was it. Yes. Yeah. Donde esta la biblioteca? <laughs> Pardon? Donde esta la biblioteca? So I went over there not knowing anyone except this girl and um, absolutely loved it. Yeah. And tell us about the food. <laughs> the, the food actually was, Ecuadorian food is pretty innocuous. It's not like spicy or anything, but they do, they've got wonderful fruits and vegetables. The papayas, I had never seen at that point, a papaya that was as big as a watermelon. And they have like 200 varieties of mango. Um, I had, being from California, I had tasted the more exotic things that um, New York yes. kids hadn't tasted, like avocados and artichokes. But the, the one thing that I mentioned that was very unusual, but I say, hey, why not, was um, what they, the Indians call kui, which is guinea pig. And yes. they roast it whole on a spit. And it's like, I eat rabbit. Why not this? So spoken like a child that was going to turn out to be a gourmet and then a chef. Um, I, when I went to Peru, I was in Peru a, a couple of times. I was lucky because when I taught on Holland America, Guido was a big port. Do you know what I mean? For So we'd come through Central America and the Panama Canal and then hit Guido. So, and then so I was able to go to, you know, the famous uh, ruins that now the name escapes yes. me. Like famous. Machu Picchu? Yes, Machu Picchu. Okay. And all the way out to Machu Picchu were the guinea pigs on the sticks. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. And they smelled delicious. Yes. And of course, the people I was with said, oh, we have to get one. <laughs> they said, okay. And <laughs> I took the tiniest bite and it just tasted like, Guinea pig on a stick. I mean, I didn't, very was, fatty. A lot of yeah, fat. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. You know what I mean? I didn't say I want more, but it certainly to me was a very efficient food source that Absolutely. people could, and you know, they must 
reproduce like crazy and then <laughs> <laughs> like Italians and then yeah. they could put them on a stick and sell them on the curb for a couple of bucks. How smart is that? Do you yes, know what I mean? Exactly. I should have even taken a bigger bite, but I was really, to be honest with you, I guess I was, of course, all I could visually think about is my sister's guinea pig from when we were children. That my mother hated more than anything and said, this thing smells, it stinks, it bites me, I hate it. And we gave it to remember that wonderful children's museum in Boyd Park. It was, and we gave, they had guinea pigs and rabbits. So we gave it to that uh, museum and went to visit it for several years and he was still alive which I think was a blessing for him because I think my sister would have left that thing out in the backyard with, my mother would have put it out in the backyard with dogs. Now, so you also go on to say, I love that you put your hand up and said to the girl, sure, I'm in, let me go to Ecuador. One of the other things that you and I have in common, Pam, is that you wrote that you weren't a particularly a good student in school. See, I, if I liked the class, I got an A. If I wasn't interested, I barely, and of course, as I got more clever, like nurses' excuses, or I fell down on the playground or whatever, I just didn't even, I didn't go to classes sometimes. Early on, I would say, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't make it, or my car ran out of gas in my high school. I'd say, oh my God, I went out and then my car wouldn't start. I mean, I lied all the time. I didn't care for school either. People will never know that we just had a big old glitch. Pam. <laughs> that I have to tell them because I think the story of Zoom, I think it's the analogy for life is you have to keep trying. Now, I know. We, we, we were talking about not being good in school. That's exactly right. Now, I was shocked yeah. to read that, that you wrote that. I knew I oh, wasn't good in school. I, I was you know, about you. Like you, I love the things I loved. I hated the things I hated. I loved my journalism and newspaper and I actually like just decided to take a two week hiatus from PE because I did not like PE. And then, and then Miss Arvello said, I'm going to flunk you. So I said, okay, I won't go to journalism for two weeks. Does that, does that count? <laughs> Honey, it's, you know, when I look back, first of all, you were the editor of the yearbook, the newspaper. I wrote a little column in my senior year for you. It was, I think it was about this. I mean, it was the heavy. It was very heavy. It was about being a song leader. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think it was, I was like a sports journalist talking yes. about this. That's but right. Anyway, now, when you say stuff like that, Pam, though, this is the part, and I'll never forget it as long as I live. Jeff Godwin was around a lot in the newspaper. Yes. A yes. Lot too. And I didn't really know Jeff Godwin. He's a very nice man. I've seen him at one or two years. But as, but he, but everybody knew he was like the smartest guy in the school. Absolutely. Remember that? I mean, yes. absolutely. He was the smartest guy in class. Yes. So he said to me one day when we were working on the newspaper, and he came in, he said, yeah, well, you use really too much. The word really too much. You're not a very good writer. <laughs> and I remember thinking, hmm, he has a point. Now, I wasn't taking offense because I, you know what I mean? <laughs> because I was probably written six words and it said really, really, really good. And then I left to go with my pom-poms and gone somewhere. But anyway, I'm just saying, <laughs> I do know this. And I, the other thing is, you said you flunked 
algebra three times and did not pass geometry. Now, I didn't know. I had the same problem. And, and to this day, to this day, to this day, I thought I wasn't. So for years, I didn't think I was good in math. Yes. yes. And then when I started to run a kitchen and they showed me yes. how my, the percentages of yes. food costs yes. to my bonus, guess yes. what I math. You know, I actually, I loved food costing, loved it. See, and yet like, algebra escaped us. And it just goes yes. to show you, yes. one of my favorite lines is that movie and one, it's the, oh crap. It's the beautiful, Catherine Turner goes back to high school and then she says to somebody in the class, you're never going to, she's in geometry, you're never going to use this the rest of your life because that's what I have felt. Right. Oh, you know, I wish I had, I mean, I just, I couldn't do it now, but you did well. And then you did go off to college. I, yeah, I did. Um, I think it was because of my Spanish that oh. I, I aced the ACT. And so even though I did, and I did good on the verbal on the, on the SATs, Yes, <laughs> but I still think, I, I mean, they accepted me like really late. It was like, they're looking around, hmm. Anybody else applying before we say yes to this person? <laughs> That's okay. Good for you. Now, when did all of a sudden, so did you meet your husband, Brian, and then just think, oh, I could be a reverend too? Or had you already thought, I'm going to, I'm going to study theology? How did that work? No, Brian um, was, he was kind of like the impetus to a thought that was already there. I was, I was already involved in um, chapel stuff in college. I had been in high school and it was, like I said, it was a, it was a field that I could do so many of my passions in. I mean, all of my passions I could do in ministry. And so, but there weren't, I, I looked around, I didn't see any women pastors, but I was also raised in Marin that says, yeah. you know, do what you can do, whatever you want to do. Yeah. And so I didn't see any roadblocks. What are the things that you knew you could do in the, in your ministry that you loved? I could be with people. I could create, I could, I could, um, I could write, I could talk in front of people. I, I love, I love talking in front of people. Um, I could, I could be spiritual. I could put programs together. I could put people together. I could do drama, everything. Yeah, I could use the church kitchen. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's but that's fantastic that you saw that and had that vision. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I think yeah. that's very impressive to say the least. So you went to this San Francisco Theological Seminary in San Anselmo. And for those of you that are looking at parents, it's one of the most beautiful old buildings and places. I mean, I drove by it. I lived in San Anselmo for a while when I lived in Fairfax for a month. I mean, it's, it's a landmark in Marin County. Yes. It's so beautiful. It's like a castle. Yes, it is. It That's is. exactly right. And what happened when you were getting ready to graduate from there? Well, you mean I had I'd had my first child, so I'm in third year. There's it's a three year program. I was in my third year. I had a baby, and I was due to be ordained at the at after I graduated. And this uh, church official who didn't even know me 
put stop the whole process saying that I, he didn't think he who never met me didn't think I could handle motherhood and ministry at the same time. See, this is and that was 1980. Yes. That's only 44 years ago. See, this yeah. is the part, you know, when we're looking for society to change or cultural changes, I say to people all the time, honey, it doesn't move that fast. If you, yeah. in our lifetime, that someone stopped you from being ordained yes. from whatever, he didn't know you. No. It, you know what I mean? This is on bad days, Pam, <laughs> in my marriage. In my not meaning in the marriage, but when bad days in our culture, I always turn to Kenny and I say to him, I am so tired of the white man's boot on my neck. (laughs) He always says to me, What boot? No, no white guy ever has supposed to put his boot on your neck. I said, You are wrong, man. You are wrong. (laughs) No, Pam, that's an enormous story. Oh, yeah. In 1980. I mean, that's enormous. So yep. what happened? You just said, forget it. I can do it anyway. Um, we we talked with the bishop and we, even though it wasn't when we went to a church, so I wasn't, they couldn't give me a church because I wasn't ordained, but they, they offered my husband a church and I said, okay, but can we have the church consider us as a clergy couple? And so that's what we did. And after two years, I was ordained. So it just, so- it took a while. Yeah, so smart. And what did Brian think during that time? I'm just curious. What did did he say something like just be patient or you Oh know. no. Oh no. He was as he was as angry as I was. Oh good. I mean, yeah, yeah. We we both are are, are rebels in our own right. So gotcha. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing to me. <laughs> so that it's just amazing to me. And yet, no, because the same thing. When I went to the Culinary Academy mm. in 1984, okay, there were like three women in my class. Oh, there wow. started out at five. One dropped out of me, and she was the first person I'd ever. She was such a wonderful woman. She, oh. I met her, and she said, "I'm Katie. I'm a lesbian." Now I have to tell you, I went. I didn't know what to say because I never had any. I'd known lesbians, but they never told me that. Yeah. <laughs> So here I was saying, how do you do? And <laughs> Wait, was, let me trace that. <laughs> yeah. Hello. And so the thing that was amazing was she had worked in kitchens. When I look back, lots of kitchens. She'd ran kitchens. But she thought she needed the degree, yeah. like we all did, like people did. And then she said to me one day, she said goodbye. She was saying goodbye. She said, I'm not coming back next semester. I, and I become very fond of her because she was so funny and so direct and so honest. And uh, she said, you know what, Denise? <laughs> I don't need these French dicks to tell me how to cook. And I remember when she said it, I thought, well, that's a very valid point, Katie. And that was it. And she disappeared. I don't know whatever happened to her. I hope she's had a fabulous life. Oh. But I under at the moment, I understood it more the longer I stayed in school. Yeah. What the comment yes. was, because I was with just kind of having blinders on. But I do know that, you know, when we when I graduated, by the time I graduated from the Culinary Academy, I was so angry. 
and so tired of the bullshit that I couldn't stand it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, but that's okay because that propelled me. I worked in a restaurant or two, but I thought to myself, the only way this is, I'm going to ever make any money, accomplish what I want to do is if I own my own place. And I didn't know what that looked like, but I thought I, and I didn't want to run a restaurant, but I thought I can open my own catering company. I can write cookbooks. I can do what I need to do, but I'm going to have to do it myself because these guys are not going to make room for us. And that was what was very obvious to me. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. That they were not. And I don't know how much today now, of course, everyone, it cracks me up, talks about toxic restaurant. And I, 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 no, it has to change. I'm not saying it should, but toxic. It was just the way it was. It didn't even dawn on me. I mean, the guy I yeah. got pinched so many times in kitchens that I, I was black and blue. Oh my gosh. And oh you know God. what? You just learned to say, I, I learned to say when I worked on the cruise ship, I didn't even mean to, this was my finest moment. <laughs> I was being harassed. They'd never had a woman work in the kitchen and every guy wow. was harassing me all day long. And wow. one of them who was the worst came up to pinch me and I'd been chopping so my knife went in the air not blue, but I cut him just a little slice on his hand that was there and but it was bleeding and I said stay away from me well no one bothered me after that. Oh. <laughs> they thought I did it on purpose I oh did my not. gosh yeah now next time it goes lower yeah <laughs> in my dreams but they left me alone and but I I was pretty I was by this time it's 85 86 I knew that I was going to have to do my own thing if I was going to have any success at all so now how so you now then you went on to have two more children I did yeah Uh, we spaced them apart so there's they're like five years apart so it gave us time to you know bond and all of that before actually what I say is that we get one into kindergarten we say well that wasn't so bad let's do it <laughs> so smart no you can't remember yeah you have to forget some things That's I say that all the time one of my I love that Pam how brilliant you be now but by all of a sudden not all of a sudden but I, ha- I have to ask you about this. You wrote that your, gra- your daughter in 1998 graduates from high school yeah, and yeah. you quit my day, I quit my day job. You did. I, it was, I had been in the ministry 17 years wow. and I was, I had, you know, it's the work ethic. You work really, really hard. Um, and in, <laughs> I, I used to say that the church is kind of, being a pastor in a church is kind of like being a call girl, because, <laughs> or maybe not a call girl, but a mistress, because you're like always expected to be there and be on and be on um, whether or not they show up or not. So it was like, you, you, you are the employee of all these hundreds of people. Hundreds all- of people. Yeah, they have a claim on your life. And so sometimes it's shadow boxing. You know, who, who, where do I go? Where do I turn? And I was just tired. And and I'd always wanted to go to cooking school. Ever, before high school, I said, <clears throat> I would watch Julia Child, of course, like everybody else. And I told my dad that he goes, oh, well, you should go to the Cordon Bleu when you're, when you're older. And, and, but I, and looking back, it's like, oh my gosh, right. All that stuff that was happening across the Bay and in Berkeley with, uh, you know, is just, 
that I didn't take advantage of it is, is hard, but I, I, I wanted to follow that passion. There was a cooking school right there and I had taken some courses. Um, and I thought, I, this is going to, I'm going to commit. I had a, a little quote by Anais Nin and I, I don't have it right on the tip of my tongue, but it was like, you just, sometimes you just have to say yes to the unknown. Yes. And, and I also did, I worked through the artist's way, the book. And I thought, yep, this is, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm sorry, family, um, but <laughs> we're all going to have to buck up. It actually worked out well because for my daughter's, um, whatever they call that FAFTA, that just be a, a parent being unemployed doesn't do anything. But if a parent is in school, it gets extra points. So it actually worked in her favor. But we were still very hand to mouth. Uh, honey, and this is part of, now I'm going to tell you, I love it too much because I went to cooking school after I had been making in Marin, selling real estate oh, for my yeah. dad brokerage i went made anywhere from 60 to a hundred thousand dollars in 19 i know i mean money it's real money now unbeknownst to me and i've done this several times in my life i said i'm going to cooking school i got cooking school driving my shiny bmw carrying my louis vuitton bag and the smartest guy in our class there peter jackson who sometimes listens so i want to say his name he was so talented. He still is. Blah, blah, blah. But he said to me one night when we were all having a beer, like 10 of us after school, he said, so how are you going to um, justify making eight bucks an hour? Oh, yeah. Yeah. When you get out of school. So you won't even make $100 a day. And right. Uh, right. And they don't pay overtime. So how are you going to live on that? Now, I need you to know the bad news. I remember thinking, how much do they make? Because it had never dawned on me to check on. I know. I know. It didn't dawn on me. Now, was I broke? It was the best time in my life because I learned how to turn a nickel over 15 different ways and yeah. figure something out. Yes. But yes. yes, it wasn't the smartest move financially no. I ever made. No. And you know what? It didn't matter. And I was broke for, I think it probably, I, I figured it out one day. I was sadly figuring it out. I think it took me almost eight or nine years, Pamela, to re reimburse myself Wow! for just tuition, let alone wow. li and living expenses, let alone for the income I lost. But you know what? Water under the bridge. I had to do it. I felt like I had to do it. I didn't want to sell real estate. For, uh, that's not how I saw my life. Do you know what I mean? I didn't see that in the long term. Whereas I saw working with food for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I really well, didn't have a choice. I It also gave me a huge appreciation for people who make minimum wage. Yeah. That, that they work harder probably than the rest of us and make yes. minimum wage. That's right. Yeah. Uh, it gave me an appreciation for immigrants yes. to this that I had never had because I didn't know, you know, I mean, I didn't know immigrants. I mean, in Marin County in this, I right. didn't know immigrants, yeah. um, really. Gunther Hagel did all my mother's house cleaning. Remember that cleaning service, Gunther Hagel? They wore uniforms, he had a fancy van. My, my mother's gardener was Japanese, this beautiful, brilliant designer. So he was mm. not, you know what I mean? I mean, I looked around, I didn't know any immigrants, uh but. <laughs> I really didn't talk about living in a bubble. My yeah. grandfather was an immigrant. Right. But when I got to 
working in kitchens, I realized the whole backbone of the kitchen industry was yeah. built on people that come here, whether they be from Thailand or Mexico right. or Central right. America, wherever there's a war, people came into the United States and the easiest thing they could do was get a job in a restaurant because they Absolutely. could cook. Yeah. I mean, they could wash dishes and stuff. So yeah, I, I huge appreciation, huge appreciation for that. Yes. Now, my, my darling, I want to stop right here. So then we're going to come back for part two and talk about the your dream of going to cooking school and how okay. you made that happen. Okay. I, I have to tell you one thing when you said that about being a minister. And yes, you've got a million people depending on you. Do you know what I mean? And it's, you know, my first paying job in cooking school Pamela, I got a job at a rectory in San Francisco. Wow. Okay. St. Veronica's rectory. They still, the priest had a house and I was the cook for the priest. Now, the nuns, wow. by the way, did not have a cook. Talk about, now this is, because right. one, one of the nuns said to me, yeah, I wish she'd come and cook dinner for us. And yeah. she was, this, and I remembered, and I said to Father Quinn, how come? Yeah. Yeah. How come we don't have a cook? He said, what do you mean? Get to retire they're teachers they get to retire i don't i don't get out of this job until i drop this <laughs> drop this in the confessional and he was voice was raised and he turned around and I said, wow got a few anger issues there <laughs> father Quinn. but i loved him because i learned and this was my favorite line and then we're going to break and come back and talk about your cooking career because it's so entwined and the things you were it was so brilliant Father Quinn, I said to him, I'd say, how are you? How was your day? How is it every day, Denise? The McCarthy's need a new roof. The Finnegan's are sleeping with other people. And then he would just go on because it was a very Catholic Irish thing. He says, what do you think? Too much booze. They, none of us say their prayers. It's the same crap every day. Now, I'll never, I have to tell you, something. I was astounded. He was the funniest. He was a dry alcoholic. He was the funniest man in the whole world and I loved him. And he taught me so much about life by saying stuff like that. And I used to say to him, did you miss me yesterday was Sunday? Did you miss me? I wasn't here to cook. He said, no, Denise, that's why God invented McDonald's. <laughs> but he used to run down about all this. It was hysterical. He taught, I never even would have thought of why, what it was like to take people's confession or when people come to you yes. for their, for guidance, how you have to respond. Yes. Yes, totally. You must've been exhausted. But it sounds like he balanced it with good humor. He did. He totally did. And he was, I loved him. And it was, he was a wonderful, wonderful person to me because I learned so much about, I learned a lot of life from Father Quinn, more than I ever did from going to Catholic school or or the hocus pocus that I experienced in the Catholic church. That sounds terrible. No. That sounds terrible. I still, I very much believe in um, church and spiritualism. I'm not, I'm not big on the Catholic church. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, you know only because I was just in Italy again. And when you see, Ooh. anytime you're in Italy and you go to the Vatican, you realize they stole all that art from someone. I know, I know. All the museums though. It's, I was just in Vienna. All of the art of the world is just stolen by people that could steal uh, it. Uh, I know, it's yeah. crazy. I all know. right, okay. if you, 
I want people to know, so there's going to be a part two. So you have to hang on and come back for part two to listen to Pam about how she integrated cooking into her ministry, which is brilliant. And I just think when there's a will, there's a way, Pamela, do you know what I mean? And I just love, and also some of the questions you asked yourself that you wrote in the little, in the pages for me, I think that all women should be asking themselves these questions, mm. I have to be honest. Or if not asking the questions, taking an inventory. So we'll go into that more okay. next. Because it's okay. a real, it may, uh, made me think, it made me think, I thought, oh my God, I never thought of it like that. Mm. So for all of you that are listening, if this is your first time, yes, I do run on this much all the time. Um, uh, <laughs> it doesn't, it's not going to change. Yes, I have ADD. Thank God I have interesting guests. Cindy keeps the train on the track. Without Cindy, there would be no podcast. And we thank everyone that writes to us, sends us messages, private messages goes to our Facebook page, Women Beyond at, uh, Women Beyond at iCloud.com. So thank you, everyone, and see you later, Miss Pamela, for part two. Okay. All right. Bye. Pam, thank you. You are fabulous. Oh, you are too. It's amazing. It feels so good. It's like every once in a while I have to remind myself, oh, other people are going to be listening to this. This is but just you know what? like I don't, a girlfriend talk. That's their problem. That's their I know. Problem. <laughs>